Welcome back to The Dad Chronicle, where we share stories from dads all around the world. I'm your host, Alex Albisu. This is episode 116. On today's episode, I speak with a fellow podcaster and dad who has a podcast about fatherhood, Crofton Steers. Crofton lives in Canada, and he has a wife, two kids, and we take a lot of time to talk about some of the differences between where I live here in America and where he lives in Canada and how we approach parenting. But we also talk about this bigger fundamental issue of what happens when parents don't quite have the right sort of level of support that perhaps they need to thrive in a situation like this pandemic we're currently in and raising kids. We talk about how it's hard to plan ahead when having a family. Until you're a parent, you don't know. It's great to have a five-year plan be like, I want to have four kids or I want to have three kids. But but until you've been a parent and and you've had your experience with the children that you have, you don't know how much you can personally take on. We talk about how two kids is a game changer when going from one. Your child's awake, the baby's sleeping, the baby's awake, your child is sleeping. You've got to be up at both those times. Like It just feels like that first week feels insane. We talk about how Crofton is handling some of the stress of raising two kids during a pandemic with little to no outside support. I haven't had a day to myself since March. And finally, Crofton shares some memories about his own father who passed away. And that's why when somebody passes on, they say, you know, you, 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 the best you can do is, is take them with you and, 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 um, and put, put the energy that they put into life back into the world. Here's my conversation with podcaster and father Crofton Steers. Crofton Steers, welcome to the Dad Chronicle. How are you? Hey, Alex, I am good. Uh, thank you. I'm enjoying the fruits of your green room right now, this delicious Pepsi Cola drink. Oh, good. As, they uh, brought it for you. I know that you're very specific about the type of Pepsi Cola that you get. It has mm-hmm. to be from uh, brewed or, or, or you know created on the first week of every month, right? Because that's when the water's most ripe or something. I don't know if any of that makes sense. Well, you know, I am a very demanding guest. I am like so one of those demanding. ones that wants the the bowl of green M&Ms, uh, only green <laughs> M&Ms, you know? So yes. I appreciate you accommodating me in these fine facilities. We you know, are definitely it, socially distanced, of course. Yes, yes. I'm glad my people were able to take care of that for you. And, and Crofton, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. For those listening at home and uh, may not know you, why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself to them? Oh, for sure. Um, so I'm kind of a regular guy. I, uh, I've been doing a podcast with my friends called Good, Bad, or Bullshit since about 2012, the nascent days of podcasting, if you will, where we would, um, we would pretty much draw a random topic every week uh, and decide if it was good, bad, or bullshit without any, any sort of prep or research. And now that's been going for quite a while. We've still been doing it and really, really enjoying it. But uh, me and one of your uh, previous Canadian guests, Ryan Murphy, have have launched us a fatherhood um, podcast called Dungeons and Diapers as well. And it's uh, it's a show sort of about finding that balance, I guess, uh, similar to the advice that you you provide your listeners in terms of do you um, how do you balance everything from your own geekly pursuits with raising kids or just things that you want to do like content creation with raising kids. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's really fun too. So I've got a couple of podcasts going that I enjoy. Other than that, I'm a Canadian dude, live, live in Ottawa, Canada. Um, I work for the government here as everybody does in Ottawa, Canada, uh, which is uh, which is pretty sweet job. Honestly, I quite enjoy it. 
And so, uh, yeah, I am married uh, to my wife, uh, who was my, I guess in the States, you would call high school sweetheart. But oh, really, cool. it, yeah, like in, 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 uh, in Canada, uh, where I, I grew up in the province of Quebec, and they have this, between high school and university, they have a buffer school. It's called CEGEP. And, uh, oh, okay. It's awesome, incidentally, the best school because it allows you to have all the fun in the world without throwing your life away before you go into university. Uh, and it also, it's like university on training wheels. Like you choose your program and all of that. And it replaces like what I guess would be the last years of high school. It's a two, sort of a two year, two year program. So that's where I met, I met my wife there when I was like oh, 18. Oh, that's, that's a really cool idea. Yeah, it, it, it's it's uh it's really awesome, and uh, so I I went away from home for the first time for that, right? Like it was I was seventeen, and I went into residence, uh, you know, about three hours from my from from where I grew up uh, on the West Island of Montreal. She was three hours from where she grew up. We uh, we met in in res, uh, um, and uh, yeah, um, we we. Uh, we got together. We dated for years and years because in Quebec you don't get married. Uh, and, and then when we moved to Ontario, we did get married almost ten years later, and have been together twenty years, I think now. Wow, um, that's amazing! And man. yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's a, when I say it out loud, I'm I almost have a heart attack. Yeah, but uh, but uh, but um, yeah, we just recently celebrated like ten years of marriage, twenty years together, and now we have two children. Uh, Gwendolyn and Clara, uh, Gwen six and Clara is two. That's amazing. So yeah, Deanna and I are high school sweethearts and, nice. um, yeah. And, and we've been together since 2004, but we didn't end up, it's kind of a similar situation to what you're talking about. Not, not that we went to some, you know, in between school and college university, right. but we were high school sweethearts in the way that kids are neighbors, but didn't go to the same school. Because she went to oh. a Catholic private school. I just went to the public school. And so we uh, have been together, yeah, since 2004. So we're, we're getting up there, too. Not not quite 20 years, but it's been a long time. So I totally get that vibe of it's been a long time, but it's still like, you know, it's just, it's cool. Like, that's really, really neat. Were, was Were her parents... Uh, cool with the idea that she was seeing uh, a young gentleman not from the Catholic school. <laughs> well, was... luckily for her, I am Catholic, so yeah. we were. So, but I just happened to be part of the rabble going to the public school. That's all. No, I'm right. just kidding. All oh, right, right. right. <laughs> we ended up. Uh, we kind of our families got to meet about a year earlier than that, and you know we just kind of hit it off. But I didn't actually really hang out with her until that following year, like really steadily, and then we started dating and. Um, yeah, and yeah, here we are. Obviously things work out, right? So no matter if you go to yeah, Catholic school or not. No, for sure. And it's funny because like, like for me anyway, um, college is a different world. Like you're in a different space. You're, you're, you're in residence. You're having fun. You're not like, you know, you're getting to drink all the Pepsis you want. Um, it's, it's a different, <laughs> it's a different world than the, and it feels almost like you're in a bubble space and you don't know what life's going to be like when you get out. And I know like I met what, what is uh, one of the co-hosts of good, bad or bullshit that, um, uh, Michael Hodgins, I met him. He was my roommate there and, uh, we were, we became best friends and we had sort of committed to going on this trip to Mexico. Like we were going to go backpack through Mexico 
after Sejep. And uh, I then I, of course, started dating my wife. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm not sure I want to go on this trip anymore and be away from, from my wife. You know, like young love. Yeah. For, oh, uh, I had similar conversations with some of my friends. I feel you. Yeah. And so, but in the end, I'm, I, I went like he was, Mike was working for this Whitewater Rapid uh, company at the time and um like he was a rafting guide i didn't know anything about rafting but we went down in like this yellow school bus all through the states including virginia where you're from oh. and i think that's where we did the golly river anyway i don't i don't remember specifically uh i just know i almost died in it but i'm oh, still alive so that's good cool. well, well here you are yes good so uh but yeah we went down to we went down to mexico and then uh, when i came like you know I, w- the whole trip was was probably I think it was like three months, but it felt like way longer in your mind. But and when when I came back, I was I was like, oh, is my wife still going to be interested in me? Oh, or mm. not my wife, my Your girlfriend, my girl, yeah. my girlfriend at the time and stuff. And then we were out of the bubble, like it was like now we're kind of in the real world. And then we moved in together pretty much immediately because she was going to university and I I applied to the same university in Montreal and got in. And so we we just got an apartment together in Montreal. So we jumped right into the deep end of the pool. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, now, but did you guys move in together already having the conversations about, yeah, you know, kids and and this and that, because sometimes people don't really <laughs> no. have those conversations and, and then they're like, what are we doing living together? And we don't ever have anything <laughs> like we don't have the same likes or dislikes or anything. And you have any, in- no, no, we did. We definitely did not have that conversation. In fact, like, like we're nine, we were 19 and Jesse's, um, uh, she was in a living arrangement at the time because I was away a semester traveling. And so she was in a living uh, situation that wasn't ideal. And she was just like, Oh man, this is great. Uh, you know, I can't afford rent by myself, but I'll be able to afford it with Crofton and, and, and we'll move in. And like, it was for a university. Like we, we saw it in the same way as that we had been like living with people in Sajep. So it sure, was just like, like your an roommates, extension of yeah. that. Yeah, it was just just the same sort of way that you would look for a roommate sort of situation. But yet here you guys are in a, in a, you happen to be in a relationship though too. It's just funny because like, you know, in your 20s or, you know, definitely in your 30s, I think if you are dating someone and then they say, hey, do you want to move in with me? That's like a big deal, right? Like oh, that's yeah. like a game changer. But, but when you're like 19 and you've only lived like one other place before, it's not really that way. Depending on who you are, you're just like, Oh no, this is just like, we're, we're, I need a roommate. We're both going to the same school. It's definitely for three years. We're together for now. So like, why wouldn't we, even though obviously we could have broken up at any given time, right? Like it, uh, it, it is funny that we gave it so little, little thought at the time. And in Quebec too, um, the leases are like, you're pretty locked down for the first year at least. Right. Mm, so yeah. that's like that it had gone, too. Yeah. Oh it, yeah. If it had gone South, I would have had to have found somebody to take, uh, take over the lease. Luckily yeah. it did not. Well, and so at what point did you know that you were going to marry Jesse? Um, so this is funny. And, uh, just the culture in Quebec where we grew up is not one in which marriage is um, is is expected, I guess. It's almost, especially Mon- the city of Montreal where we were living, it is almost the opposite of that. It's like people stay in these common law relationships uh, for years and years sharing the same – and they ne- they never get married. And, um, and uh, so we had been together for a really long time and – 
then we went, we, we worked, um, we got out of university. We worked for Ubisoft in Montreal, which is a video game company there for a while. Oh um, yeah. That's, and, that's a cool gig. Yeah, that was, it was a cool gig. It was very interesting, but it was also entry level and like yeah, it yeah. came with, it, it, so, um, and it came with like, we ended up like working the night shift. We were like game masters on this, this online game. And so, it, um, there was, it ended up being that, uh, that like we we saw each other not as much as we would want to because when one of us would be working maybe the other one would be off and vice versa, um, and Jesse was keen on traveling because she hadn't done that trip that I had done, or and uh, so we started planning a trip and 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 we ended up going around two thousand three two thousand four. Uh, around the launch of World of Warcraft, because I never played that, and that was one of the main reasons, Man, yeah. uh, was uh, was we left. We went on a backpacking trip to Australia and New Zealand, and so we we let, we put all our stuff, like sent it to our parents' house. Um, we you know left our apartment. We 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 went to Australia and New Zealand uh, for six months. Um, and uh, when we came back, she doesn't speak French. I'm completely bilingual. So like in Montreal, when they say they need you to be bilingual, they mean you can speak French perfectly and you can get by in English. Um, and Jesse, you know, so for Jesse, finding jobs has, had always been that had been sort of a hurdle for her. So she wanted to move to Toronto. And I sort of said, well, you know, Ottawa, which is uh, the nation's capital, it's an urban area of about a million. And it's around from wh where I come from. And I had family there. I said, let's go. Let's 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 go there instead. And we compromised and and we went there. And when we got to Ontario, that's when like we changed provinces. And now we're in sort of the the British ancestry as opposed to the French ancestry. Right. Everybody's starting to ask us why we're not married and when we're going to get married. <laughs> um, wow. It's cra it's crazy. Just like overnight, like we start working these jobs and and um. And people are asking me about my girlfriend and I'm like, yeah, you know, we've been together like six years or whatever. And, and the questions just came up and I had not considered it before. Like it was not a thing that I really gave much thought because in Montreal, it's the opposite. Nobody has weddings or, or even thinks about it or, or, or pressure pressures it. But as it entered into my mind at that point, I had just kind of at this point assumed that Jesse and I would always be together. Like this is like, we both loved each other. We, we, I, my feeling was that we were going to, we were in it for the long haul. And I, but then as, as I was being hit by these questions, it occurred to me that Jesse probably was also being hit by this stuff. Um, and she was, <laughs> uh, and, uh, so yeah, I, around that time, like when we, when, when we arrived in English Canada, if you will, I was like, okay, I got to find a way to propose. And it, it was one of those situations where we'd been together long enough that now I felt like this, I think all men feel that creep of pressure of how to, how to do it. But I think I, I was feeling it big time because we had so much water under the bridge already, you know? Yeah. It, by the way, did you ever feel like it was an unfair expectation having grown up in that perhaps French culture of not needing to necessarily get married to prove that you love this person for the rest of your life, where then you move into this culture of you need to get married in order to prove it. <laughs> like, was that an unfair expectation for you? I, I, it was something that I hadn't really ex expected. I, in terms of unfair, I'm not sure because the the marriage definitely meant a lot. I could see meant a lot to Jesse and and um, like the the idea that that there's symbolism behind 
weddings and, and marriages and stuff. And I think it's very, very important. Um, and I think that like in relationships, we always try to avoid that, you know, the taking, taking your significant other for granted. And, um, uh, for me, I, I, I definitely, it, it, the conversation, instead of resenting the, the, the push towards marriage, it made me assess the fact that like, maybe I should be, uh, t- uh, doing some public demonstrations of affection that I want this to to last for a long time. We didn't even really have conversations. We just assumed, like our. I think we both did. We n- neither of us ever had any of these introspective relationship conversations. Like, did you guys before you got engaged? Did you have? conversations about the state of your relationship regularly we did yeah and it was a really they were really interesting and sometimes uncomfortable conversations uh but you know just like i like to say this is something that my wife has has picked up uh from uh urban meyer of all people one of the the football coaches previous football coaches of ohio state university one of the the sports teams that we really enjoy watching um he says they're not hard conversations they're honest conversations Right. And when you have an honest conversation with somebody about, hey, this is what I foresee our future being, and it ends up being completely different from what the other person has, and maybe not even completely different. It could even be on the spectrum of, this has a slight different tone of, of what I expected our future to look like. That can cause some serious friction. And For in sure. our case, like we ended up having, um, you know, I mentioned earlier, like Deanna grew up going to Catholic school. I went to public school. And to me, I was like, yeah, we'll send our kids to public school. And she was like, no, we're going to send them to Catholic school. And I'm like, I don't want to pay for a car every year to send my kid to school. I want to be able to send them to the public school for free and they get some fine education. And, you know, we we would go back and forth on that quite a bit. And, and I think we've settled on public education as being good for a number of reasons right. um, and fine for our situation. But those were kind of tumultuous conversations at, at times. Did it deter us from ever wanting to get married? No, uh, because I think at the bottom line, we knew uh, we I hate using the word compromise, right, because it's not really a compromise. It's a it's an understanding of where the other one's coming from to to accept that point of view um, rather than reluctance behind it, which I think it comes along with compromise in my mind, at least and what that word means. And you probably had more in common than you, you were probably more aligned in an agreement about more things than you were in potential disagreement. Exactly. And, and, you know, at that, at, at that point, you know, at, at its core, what we really wanted was for our kids to get a good education. And that's why Deanna was really pushing the idea of a Catholic school education was because like the type of, teachers that that they would get at these schools were incredible like they were they were like college level professor like really really esteemed teachers and deanna got a really really good education then you look at my education and and i actually did get a really good education i had some amazing teachers the the county in which we you know i grew up in fairfax county here in virginia uh is like one of the top school districts in the united states and she didn't really quite see that from my perspective either and I just thought that she was coming at it from a perspective of, oh, you got to send your kid to a hoity-toity private school, of course, you know, <laughs> you know, just being young and naive. But uh, ultimately, when it when we kind of came down to the root baser level of of what we were trying to achieve, that's what came out, and that's when you realize, yeah, you have more in common than you think, and that's that's kind of how we came to that conclusion. 
We have so, like my wife and I have so much like in terms of values in common, in terms of background in common, that it, it, it avoided, it made it so that we, we wouldn't have those conversations as much as the, probably we should have even. And the other thing is like, we're both kind of, I definitely am a live in the moment type person and not great on the forward planning. She's a bit better on the forward planning, but yeah. I would say neither of us are amazing. And because of that, like, even like conversations about kids or whatever, we didn't really have them until, until we were at the point where like, yeah, now we both want kids and we both sort of clued in at the same time um, and said, okay, yeah, no, we are, you know, we are ready now. And, and that sort of, that, that sort of approach as to being, being uh, my, my brother's wife or um, I'm, quite sure has like a five-year plan for absolutely everything and we are <laughs> sounds like we are life. yeah which is great honestly like i mean i think jesse and i obviously we make do and 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 not having these plans that we're married to is great but but at the same time i think both of us would like it if the other one was more of a planner you know yeah oh um, no, no no i that's Deanna definitely wishes I was more of a planner because she I mean, she's an event planner for a living. Like, that's what she does. So she, her brain is wired that way. And whenever <laughs> whenever she's like, Alex, why didn't you think of this? I'm like, I don't know, man. I just don't think of these things. I'm sorry. And, you know, I, you just don't. That's not the way I'm wired. <laughs> why would like, you think of it? Yeah. Why, you why, know, why, like... are you, why don't you tell me what you're doing? Right. Because I would love to learn. Uh, but in all seriousness, I think it's um, it sounds really cool, by the way, that you guys you guys it's almost like yeah we want to have kids yeah like this is just of course like you guys were just on the same wavelength from the beginning and i think that's that's so apparent in what you're telling me about her and how you're describing some of that which i think is really rad i think that's pretty cool yeah and really only recently like we have now two children and um i think that that was um somewhat of a no-brainer for us like uh, we but even even that that level of conversation being like, how many kids are we going to have? Like, we're likely not going to have a third, but we had that conversation. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the first time, like we didn't have a conversation about the first one or the second one, really. Those were just like, well, uh, you know, those were just givens that we wanted uh, uh, two kids. But like, we, we only had a conversation about how many total kids do you want once we were thinking about the third one. And that was, that was because, um, you know, you don't know. It's living in the moment, of course, but it's also you don't know until you're a parent. You don't know. It's great to have a five-year plan be like, I want to have four kids or I want to have three kids. But but until you've been a parent and, and you've had your experience with the children that you have, you don't know how much you can personally take on, you know, uh, and uh, – you don't know what your life is necessarily going to feel like and if you're you're ready so you always have to do those those assessments and maybe they're comparisons to your plan but like for us we just didn't even have the plan we were like okay and 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 we we had conception not not huge conception problems com compared to some folks but for our first child like we just assume when we wanted to have a baby, you know, like they teach you sex ed at school it's like you you kiss a girl she's going to be pregnant with twins you know where <laughs> where whereas I you know, when it gets right down to it, it it's not it's not self evident. And almost all my friends, I would say fifty percent of my friends have had like some sort of difficulty. So like for yeah. us, we had been trying to have kids for a year, um, and that was that was a you know a, a, near the end of the year it was a, a bit of a stressful year, and we were starting like that. There's like a fertility clinic process. We were looking into it and all of that. Um, 
And during that, during that period of time, we had a miscarriage. And uh, mm-hmm. when that happened, we were like, okay, so it's possible here. <laughs> like we're not, we're not, it's not, it's not for sure that, that, um, cause we were still at the diagnosis stage where like, it's very easy to diagnose sperm. He's like, here, here's a cup. Tell me if they work or not. Uh, but, but, uh, for women, it's a lot more difficult and a lot more intrusive. And so yes. Jess, Jess was like going, going to go through some of these things and like, they, they don't want to do them prematurely, all these tests. So it's like a year, is a reasonable kind of amount of time. And then we were, we were just starting with the process when she got, when she got pregnant. Um, actually that was the pregnancy that led that became the miscarriage. And then after that, we were like, okay, this can happen. Uh, and then, and then, uh, uh, she, uh, we became pregnant with Gwen uh, thereafter. Clara, on the other hand, the second child was just easy peasy. Like we didn't even think wow. about it. Um, and so it was really, it, it's really maybe one of the sayings of, you know, those things where you get in your own head, you have too much stress and it's affecting everything or whatever. Well, yep. that year, that year might've been that for us. I so. mean, we have friends that, uh, that have experienced that, uh, they were trying weight, <laughs> like you try a little too hard and then like one night they were just you know it was just like casual and then all of a sudden they're like wow we're pregnant and they've been trying for yeah. like a year and a half two years so that's I was, i'm a big believer in that and i would just say like everybody's everybody's different but like you you shouldn't i think it's one of those things that people feel uncomfortable talking about and they shouldn't you know talk to your friends talk to your talk to your medical professionals like if your wife is is or or you are stressed out you know have the conversations oh, yeah. with the people that you need to have the conversations with. And uh, like, I was fortunate that it worked out for us, but like for me, you know, that was, that was one of those conversations we had where I said, like, you know, adoptions on the table for me too. If, if we're in, if we're in a situation where we, you know, can't have, have a kid. Right. And um, I know my wife hadn't thought about it too, too much at that point. And I don't think she was against it necessarily, but um, it was never a road that we ended up, um, needing needing to go down, but I just said like don't stress about it too much. There are other yeah. alternatives that we could potentially explore because I I wasn't really that stressed. I was sort of felt that something was going to work out, and my dad was ill around this time, so I, a lot of my energy was spent on that at the time. So yeah, um, and, and you know a couple things. So one of the things that you touched on earlier was that stigma of talking about things, and that's a big reason why I have this show is to open up the stigmas around things like miscarriages like uh infertility things that that men for whatever reason in society deems it as a weakness to talk about it or to feel emotion around it we we dealt with the miscarriage in january and that was brutal like it's brutal and and obviously society talks about how brutal it is on the mother um it's really brutal on the father too like i'm pretty depressed i don't you know everybody handles things a little differently um but for some reason, it was really, really hard for men to talk about this. And I started talking to more people about it. And there's an entire episode. People can go back and listen to the Dad Chronicle uh, episode where I talked about the miscarriage and what that meant to me. And uh, and people were just like res- like resounding with that, coming out of the woodworks like, oh, dude, it happened to me too. Like, why don't we just talk about these things? And and the same thing, like, go see your doctors Like, if this sort of stuff is happening to you. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that you guys were so had such open dialogue between, you know, yourselves to kind of see through the muck of what perhaps society deems as, you know, ways that you should handle it. And then just, you know, just go and forging your own path. 
I will say though, Alex, and like to your to your point about about that, and the you mentioned it's hard on the fathers, and it totally is. You're absolutely right. It's something that is, and and I just like for for whatever reason, like when it first happened, I didn't tell a bunch of people. It was not. It was something that we kind of kept hidden, except to our family, like our, my 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 mom and my brother and all of that, but like not, not even my good friends. I just felt like, I guess at the time it's like, I, I didn't want to talk about it. And therefore I knew that if I brought it up, but I'm not giving them the opportunity to, to be supportive uh, of me by not, by not bringing it up. Right. Yeah. So it, it it is, it is sort of tricky in that regard, but I, exactly. I would also say that like the thing, the thing that, that we did um, that I, I'm not sure if it caused stress, but like we had kids a bit later in life, like, like, I mean, late, a bit later in life, like in yeah, our right. in our thirties, and my wife is a little bit older than me, and like in our late later thirties, to um, so we're both forty now. Like she's forty one, and I'm forty, and we so she's like in her mid thirties, and so when we were having like fertility issues, like she feels like she feels like she's on the clock, and I know that there's a lot of like lighthearted Hollywood movies that make fun of this type of stuff, being like, oh, you know, she feels like she only has a certain amount of time, but it is physically true. Like men have, you know, I'm like, chill out, don't worry about it, you know, everything is going to yeah. work itself out. But she is experiencing much more stress than me for a, the right reason. Like yep. she is technically on the clock, you know? And so, um, and when the miscarriage happened, I think, um, like in, in, in your case, um, had you, had you guys ever had a miscarriage previously? No, no, we had Aria. Um, and it was kind of opposite of what you guys were talking about. We had Aria was super easy, super quick. Mm -hmm. Um, and same thing with this pregnancy, like pulled the goalie and then boom, she's pregnant. And so we were really, we were actually a little surprised that it happened that quick a second time. We were like, okay. And then, you know, we, we encountered the issue and, and, you know, she ended up miscarrying and it was, uh, you know, it, that it was just brutal, you know, but see what, what the, the silver lining to that. And it's not, a, it's, you know, there's never a great silver, silver, silver lining to a miscarriage, right, right. but, uh, it is that, that you guys knew that, that this was, um, this was like, a horrible exception perhaps to a rule that you guys were going to be able to overcome. Whereas with my wife, the problem was we had never had a kid before. So she, we would, we were having fertility problems. So when she, we had the miscarriage, she got in her own head that like, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, never going to happen. It's not meant for her because yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Right. And so, uh, and I think that that's something as men that we don't have to deal yes. with as, as much, right. right? Unless You're very right. Like, I get the stats right off there. I'm like, here, look, here's the cup. Tell me, am I good or not? I'm good. Okay, sweet. You know? Yeah. Um, so, so, so that, that takes, it makes it easy for me. So I guess it's just like being, you know, being sensitive, uh, being sensitive to that stuff, which we were. And like, honestly, like it, it is funny to look at back at it now. Cause I haven't really given it much thought anytime recently, but it over it really like that year, uh, it was like our entire life, like going, you know, going to appointments, thinking about it, having conversations about it, you know, and all of that. Um, w and so like, we still think of Gwen as like, like when you have a kid, you're, you're beating the odds every, every time to have a healthy child because yes, first yes. off, First off, you got to con conceive the child, which, as we've said, is not a given. Uh, then, then, okay, child, child is being born, and then there could be uh, countless things that happen during delivery that are scary or whatever. Um, 
and then there could be anything that they're born with, like any sort of conditions, uh, physical conditions, mental conditions, anything like that. Uh, uh, there could be stillbirth. There could be all of this. So just to get to a point where your kid is healthy and happy and all of that is is like I don't want to say miracle, but it, it feels it feels, it feels like feels it. that way. Yeah, yeah, it definitely it does. Feel, feels that way. And so for when we came to our second kid, one of the big questions was like, okay, we're going to be playing this lottery again. Um, like, is <laughs> oh the other because the other element is like you end up with a nice, healthy, and happy kid at the end of the line, but they might be an asshole too. And luckily, <laughs> yeah. l- luckily, our kid was not. She, she's super amazing. So I was like, what are the chances that we get another super amazing kid? The, like even if we end up with a healthy one, they might be an asshole. But it turns out that that we were we lucked out again, and you know, Clara was even easier and just as just as great as Gwen. So I consider myself, especially in the pandemic year, to be really lucky to have the two them around even though they're a lot of work obviously yeah we're really i'm really hoping that jacob is going to be as good as aria has been for us and in a lot of ways and and you know he's going to have his own set of challenges i'm sure and uh but it's it's i i have the same fear going into this so that totally resonates and what was it like for you i mean holding you know going back what six years right uh yeah what was it like holding your baby girl for the first time I mean, it's one of those things, and I don't know how you, how you felt about this, but for me, it's one of those things where um, there's a couple of life moments that are built up by Hollywood and and other things as being like you're just immediately going to be crazy in love with this with this baby and all of this. And I felt bad the first five minutes. Cause I was like, I was very happy and I was really proud of my wife who had gone through a nine hours of labor. And I was oh like, Holy God. smokes. I was really, really happy for her. And, and, and uh, I was proud. And then I was, I, I felt a tremendous amount. I remember responsibility immediately. I'm a guy who, is like a bit of a man child who's never had a pet even who's just like I'm not big on responsibility here and then all of a sudden I'm taking care of another human being and that hit me hard so that hit that's hitting me in my in my gut at that that moment so it left some room for like love and affection and all of that of course but it is funny cuz what I say to I was the first of my close group of friends to have to have kids and what I what I've said to a lot of them prior is like you know don't beat yourself up too, too much. Uh, you're going to, it's going to be a big day when the, the day that that baby comes along and you're going to have to take on a lot. And that baby you're, is, you're going to love immediately, but that love is only going to amplify in time as you get to know this person. Cause you don't know this person yet, even though, yes. you know, that person is part of you. Um, you'll feel this obligation to be like, it is the most love I've ever felt in my entire life in that moment. But like, for me, it definitely was not, but that is not to say that I did not love my child. Of course, in fact, yeah. I, I love her more every single day as I get to know her, uh, more as a, as a person. So, so, uh, uh, so yeah, that's, that's how I, that's how I felt. I'm not, I'm not sure is your was your feeling similar or were you like over the well, moon when you're when dude, Aria... I, I was over the moon oh my yeah. god I, I was the typical yeah. hollywood uh oh, sort of story yeah. <laughs> but but here, here's the thing because crofton you're, you're not wrong in in everything you're saying and in fact i'm glad i'm glad that you're bringing this up because something that i've learned a lot and i've talked about on this show a couple times and in some youtube videos recently is like 
it's important for dads to realize how it's okay for you to have that disconnect because something that happens in the moment for a lot of men is they're they're just really focused on let's make sure everybody's good. I don't I don't have time to show the affection right now. It's like uh, I, I want to make sure my wife's okay because perhaps it was like a really chaotic uh, delivery. Like we had um, I, I had Stephen Adams on on the show from. Uh, two dorks tv and, and horseshoes and hand grenades like he was talking about how he didn't really have that honeymoon phase but uh, i've had that same conversation with so many men and and the big thing that guys have to realize to your point is that it's okay it's okay for you to not have that honeymoon phase because you will to your point right so i, I did did have that honeymoon phase like holding her for the first time but it wasn't uh, but you know now talking to more men, you know, it's just, it'll be okay. You know what I mean? For sure. And, and that's, that's it too. And I'm glad I, you know, uh, I'm glad that, uh, that you did. I, for my second child, it was the same, same thing where we had, um, a delivery that was a little bit scary, I guess. Uh, it happened very, very quickly compared to the other one and was a bit, was a bit scary. And so there was relief there, um, more than, more than anything. Uh, and it was really only when we got home we did it like, um, I'm not sure if you guys in the States, if like, do you, do you have midwives and stuff or is it all like doctors and nurses? Yeah, no, we do. Uh, we, do. we do have midwives and, and women have a lot of freedom in how they kind of approach that with, with a midwife without, or, you know, just doctors and nurses or just doing it by themselves or whatever. Yeah. So we, we had, um, a midwife both times and uh we had planned like there's this ottawa birthing center and it's pretty nice like pretty well done up and look look we were our birth plan was that okay we're gonna have the baby at the birthing center but in both cases we there was something that came up that prohibited that from happening one was uh, for gwen my wife's water broke for like something like 48 hours and, and there was no contractions and then so she had to be induced um uh, and so that has to happen in the hospital, but the midwife's there, but it's like, it, it wasn't where we wanted it necessarily right. to be. And for Clara, it was, there was just a, ah, oh, geez, I forget what it's called. It's an M word that they, they check the, the liquid in, ah, oh, and if there's some blood in it, then they have to, I forget, I, I'm, I'm blanking on all of this stuff, but anyway, there's a, there's a valid reason why we got redirected to, um, again to the hospital. And I'm glad we did because that one was a, as I said, a little bit scary. Like I parked, I got my, my parking pass stamped and all that. And then, uh, when we got in the car to leave, it was 45 minutes after I arrived. So, so I parked the car, we went upstairs, we got got to the room i went to get a bottle of water like we came back and pretty much it was the you know it was the main event and it was happening like super super quickly oh wow uh, and jesse was standing up and the baby and the midwife was like under jesse's legs catching catching the baby like a football or whatever. oh my god like, uh, yeah it was really it was I, I and i just came back i've got uh, it's like a comedy i've got a bottle of water and a box of timbits in my hand and i'm like <laughs> uh what's going on um and uh and and then uh you know doctors are pushing by me and all of this and they're they're get, getting set up but only when when we when we we then drive home because this is the thing like she's not in the she, with when you have a midwife you can leave the hospital like i think it's like two hours after birth if everything is cool and so in both cases we had left the hospital um 
pretty quickly after birth. And so I'm only having that bonding time with my daughter once once I'm in the house and, the, and it's quiet and things are calming down. And that is really when I sort of uh, clicked on with the with with both of them. And uh, again, like with the second child and you'll you'll find this is like you, you have you want to incorporate your older child, right? Like you really want it's like when you have something that you really want to show your friend and uh, you, it's something, it's like a video game or something you really enjoyed. And you're like, Oh, I can't wait until so-and-so sees this. Oh, I really want to show them. Well, like it's like that to the nth degree. When you, when you have a baby, you really want to show it to the older child and you want them to bond right away. Yeah. And you just like, <laughs> you're like, uh, I'm not trying to force it, but it's, it's, it's um, it, you know, they're excited about it and you're trying to include them as part of the process. So it was different in that way as well with the, uh, with the second child because Gwen was involved, you know, she was involved in the process and she was that she was at home with my brother. Uh, and it was the first time that we had kind con- like pretty much the first time since Gwen was born where almost where we were away, like just Jesse and I for the amount of time that we were gone and, and, and left her. Cause uh, other than like babysitters in the evening when she's sleeping. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, actually, I, I do want to get into a little bit of that topic, but before I do, uh, it's wild that you can leave the hospital in like two hours after having a baby because they have us there for like a couple days in the U S. Oh, and honestly, I would say take those days. Yes. Like if, if, if you can, if you can get those days, like I, you know, I know it's different in the U S with the healthcare and, and that stuff costs money. Um, whereas, whereas, uh, in Canada, it's like, like if we could, if we could stay two days in the hospital and have like a nurse helping out or whatever, it would make the transition to being parents, you know, that much more easy. But, 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 uh, you know, my, my wife, like, and maybe it's a maternal instinct. I'm not sure, but that she, when she has the option to go home, she just wants to go home, you know, like, yes, and yeah. she, she was pushing it heavy. Um, and the, she's like, let's just, let's just go home. And I was like, all right, all right. Yeah. And we have, I mean, yeah, we, we definitely, the insurance thing is, is a whole other topic, but I think that, um, talking to Ryan, it sounds like you guys have that parental leave, uh, option, which I think is really, really cool. Um, it, it depends. The parental leave is like, um, again, it, it's related somewhat to your employer and, and stuff, um, as well. Uh, and Ryan and I both work for the government of Canada. So we have a good parental leave benefits, right. but the, the, the reality is that, um, uh, um, th- that, uh, that the husband still has to, you have to split it between the husband and the wife to a certain extent. Right. right. So y- your, your husband could be right back at work pretty quick. Uh, if you don't take uh, the time, like I took five weeks when Gwen was born. Um, and I took that mostly in overtime and vacation leave. So yeah. it was to ensure that my wife had all the maternity and parental benefits. That's kind of what we're doing. I mean, well, in our situation, Deanna's got regular maternity leave through the company. The company offers that and it's like three months or something. And then she's taking, or maybe it's like two months and then she's taking an extra month of sick time, like all of her sick time. And, uh, and so like that'll be done. But my, my company just, we have open time off. So I was like, can I just take the rest of the year off? My boss was like, yeah, sure. And just, so just I'm when, when Jake is born, which is like in a, a week and a half, uh, that's when we have it planned. At least he might come like right now. Who knows? But, oh man, I didn't really compute that it was so soon. Oh yeah. Jeez. Oh dude. It's like, I'm just waiting for Deanna to be like, Alex, we got to go. 
Oh man! And like, last time was it? W- how close were you to the date? Oh man, she was late. So ended up inducing three days later. Okay, four, no, no, four days later because she was a Cinco de Mayo baby, um, or she was <laughs> supposed to be. And so we call we called Aria Baby Tecate at, at one point because you know it's a Mexican beer, and we were uh, and we had induction set for four days after she didn't come by then. And they were like, well, this is a mistake because she's huge. So we're going to induce Jacob actually a little early because he's already weighing in at almost okay. eight and a half pounds, um, which is oh, insane. Lord. Oh, yeah. So uh, so, so Deanna's going to pop any minute. <laughs> it's just any minute. Well, premature congratulations. Yeah, and look, I, I will tell you that um, I definitely remember because it's, you know, two years is really nothing. Uh, I... I definitely remember when Clara came home, there being a moment, uh, and that moment lasted like at least a week, I think, uh, where where I was like, how is this even possible? Um, and it just feels like it feels like un unsustainable. You've got you've got this this child that you've been doting on or whatever, and that that requires a fair amount of both of your attentions, and now you have a baby that has completely different needs. And, and then you're like, when do you have time for yourself? And also the baby obviously is not sleeping in a, in a sleep pattern that is in sync with your child. So your child's awake, the baby's sleeping, the baby's awake, your child is sleeping. You've got to be up at both those times. Like It just feels like that first week feels insane. Yeah. And then shortly thereafter, things kind of start uh, syncing up into place. Uh, and that's why I, I, I would say that, you know, like if you do have the opportunity to stay at the hospital a little bit, it probably would be beneficial just because, I mean, it, it, it just seems – I was I was like okay I was having a hard time balancing my be it content creation and 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 pursuits and time for myself time for the couple time for time for child one um and and now and now child two was here and it was messing everything up yeah it really it really was and everybody says oh yeah it's easier with two they'll play together or whatever yeah that happens years later right um, at least like it, a year and a half two years later when when the kid can actually like kind of sit up by themselves and kind of have some semblance of of uh you know automation and here's the thing uh that i i really kind of want to jump into in that in that perspective cuz one of the things that you and i talked about prior to the show is just how challenging it is for you and your wife having not the like you guys have obviously a support system, but they they live far away. Your mom is um, isn't very close. Sounds like her folks aren't either, uh, and, and that you guys are kind of dealing with these two kids kind of on your own, but also the pandemic as a whole other layer of frustration and and chaos and uh, and stress. Frankly, so how are you guys faring? First of all, and, and how are you guys finding ways to deal with that? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, we're not faring as great as we have been lately. And, and Dungeons and Diapers recently, I coined it as we're in the deep pan, the deep pandemic, the the the, the six months sort of. They say six months after any difficult situation, uh, in, you know, be it a treatment for an illness or any sort of situation the six month hurdle is tough and i think we're feeling it now november is the shittiest month in canadian history um it is the worst and now we it, it's november 1st today date of recording and it's 
uh, really crappy outside and i i think that uh that we're we're feeling it and we're obviously trapped around the house because of the the pandemic i mentioned that we were a bit older when we had kids that means that our parents are a bit older as well and um both of us have lost a parent so my wife lost her mother when she was 13 mm-hmm. uh due to, to cancer um and so she has been without a mom for for a long time i lost my father in 20 20- uh, 2014 due to Alzheimer's. Uh, and it was early, it was early onset. So, I mean, he died a, a lot earlier than, uh, than most people who get Al- Alzheimer's is it's even later in life. He was only in his sixties. Uh, and so that, that left, that leaves my mom on my side and Jesse's dad on her side. And Jesse's dad is, um, she's from, like I said, three hours out of Montreal in the opposite direction of where we are. So he's about five hours or so drive. He is a homebody. He does not feel very comfortable driving very far. It took grandkids to really get him here regularly. Uh Um, and my mom is actually pretty close. She's like just out of town here. Uh, which which is which is great. Like she's about forty five minutes away. However, she like spends half the year in Mexico, which is great for her up until this COVID thing, but not so great for for us in terms of any any sort of support. And then just like coincidentally, maybe due to taking care of my dad for so long, my mom, who's always been in great physical shape, pretty much the moment that we had kids started like her hips started to go. She had to have oh, surgery no. on. Yeah, I know. So she had to have surgery on both her hips and then she lost like her hearing and she didn't get a hearing aid and we didn't feel comfortable leaving the girls with her because that like there's if it was one thing it was another, right? And then Jesse's right. dad as well like he's um you know, if he was here, it's more like he's a guest and he's like he'll stay a night and then he'll go back home. Uh he it's I always make this joke that there's like this invisible force field around his house and then when he leaves it he has to get back in it within like there's a timer that starts above his head. <laughs> and so he's elongated that timer with with a few years of practice. But um, he's still like I'll wake up. We'll wake up in the morning and be like, where's Grandpa Paul? I'm like, he's gone. Um, and uh, he, he normally hits the road at like 4 a.m. the next day, sleeps on the couch downstairs and then then moves on, which is fine. It's great when we see him, but we can't count on him for any sort of like, you know, daycare or anything. Yeah, like that's that. so, right. Right, right. So to answer your question, Alex, we don't have a tremendous amount of like grandparent support. I have a brother around here. He is a kid. He's really busy too. He's got all sorts of ski and bungee stuff that he does. Um, and uh, and uh, my other brother's in Calgary, which is far away from here. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, he also has a, ch- a child with his wife now. Uh, it would be great if they were closer, but they are not. So we don't, you know, have support on, on that end as well. Um, I have a couple of meathead friends who I wouldn't trust with my kids to save their life. Sorry, Bo. Um, if you're listening. <laughs> I was waiting there uh, if that but, was Bo or not. But, but, uh, but, uh, but uh, for the most part, like just on on a di- you know on a daily basis, um, we're good. Uh, we we, we uh, live in a great part of town. We got uh, great amenities. We got great kids that are easy to take care of. But if we want to say go out in the evening, like we we had a we had maybe a good babysitter for a while there. Uh, but then with COVID, we're not even super comfortable doing that. So like we haven't had much of a be a date night outside the house or just somebody taking the kids. Like I haven't had a date to myself since March, like really 
um, or, or pre previous to that. Like I, I have, like I took Friday off this week cause I, the daycare was close half the day and I was like, oh, I'll take the morning off and be able to play a, a game or two, which I was able to do. Uh, but that's, that's like a luxury, right? So I, I would say, I would say it's this year has been particularly tough and shown the strain on, on what our personal setup is. And I know that like, dads will be talking you know you'll be talking and i have friends as well that have so much support and i don't know if they take it for granted but they almost seem to and they'll, they'll be talking about it oh you should just do this thing or this thing or this thing and i'll say well I'll, you know you can only do that because your mom takes the kids or your mom does school pickup for you or you know there's right. and there's nothing wrong with that i think that's amazing it's just like don't take for granted i guess that other people do not have those luxuries sometimes right, right? How, yeah, how about you guys? Yeah, well, so, so we're those people, right? Like we have both sets of, of parents, um, you know, alive and, and 20, 30 minutes down the road. It's our parents, our moms specifically, watch Aria uh, twice a week. So oh, Tuesdays. Dude, that is so great. Yeah, Tuesdays we have Deanna's mother watching aria thursdays my mother watches her and then monday wednesday friday we actually take her to a daycare down the street where she she goes for the day while we're working and, and that's more for her than us because our moms would be happy to watch her but you know she gets some socialization that way and we're really comfortable with how the the school has been handling the covid situation to where uh we were really apprehensive about it at first and then we went and saw what they were doing we we're like oh this is fine so it ended up um sending her there you know that that's been that's been really good and and i have um you know seen uh, struggles with other friends of mine who have kids and talking to them on the dad chronicle and and how they are uh you know struggling to find that sort of support system similar to what we have and, and i always wonder like what is it that you guys do to persevere not, not to say that you know persevere might be a strong word because they're your kids right like this is part of our job as parents we do that. But like, what are some of the ways that you guys stay real strong as a family unit, a cohesive unit to try to overcome some of the stresses that come along with it? Do you have any thoughts there? Well, I mean, uh, first off, we could do it better. So I, I will say, I will preface that right off. Like, uh, and I think that that, those are the conversations as we're into the deep pan that, that, um, that, that we need to have a little bit more. Um, we, uh, I think the fact that, um, so, you know, everybody's had a different like environmental situation. You guys uh, in the States, obviously in a, a much trickier spot than us, but Ottawa, the city that I'm in for Canada was considered somewhat of a hotspot again recently for COVID. And so what that means is that, um, we had a shutdown at one point, all the schools, all of that were shut down. And then, uh, coming into the school year this year, they've opened up. That includes the daycare. So for many, many months, uh, we had both kids home. And luckily, my wife's work very flexible and was able. She was able to take on so much of the load while I continued mostly working full time hours. Um, so that was tough, and it drained drained the tank, obviously. Uh, but then, then recently, uh, the kids have been going back to school and uh daycare and that has been like i guess it's like you find these small mercies and in the world of covid we're now both working from home and that wasn't something that we did before so my wife and i like we we'll go for we go for walks at lunch during the weekdays i'm not saying the weekdays are 
now more relaxing than the weekend, but almost in many ways, like if there's not pressure going on at work, if we're able to sort of do our job, it's now the more humane working from home that we used to have prior, like, you know, prior to the pandemic, when, when we said, when I had a working from home day, it generally was uh, a day where I could focus on a project, you know, throw in a load of laundry and all of that. Since the pandemic started, my work from home has been ridiculous. Oh, and, me too. And now, yeah. Yeah. I, I believe it. Like, and, and now it's just, now we're finding that balance just a little bit more naturally. And we're, we're, you know, we, we get to, my wife and I are having, you know, more conversations as we go out on these walks and stuff that we, that we weren't necessarily having before. And we're focusing on the, we constantly are in this struggle of like focusing on uh, the positive. I know everybody is as well, but like for my, for my wife, her personality is less extroverted than me. She's more introverted. So she right. doesn't find the, the lack of exposure to a lot of folks uh, at, as problematic she like looks forward to stuff like you know she's already planning christmas and all the stuff that's gonna go with uh with with christmas for the girls and stuff and so i i'd say that i'm the person that is kind of feeling it the most so what i've been trying to do is i've been trying to like organize like what are the things that i liked um pre-pandemic and one of the things would be that i would have nerd nights geek nights with the boys and uh, we we would go to somebody's house and we would play a board game a gloomhaven a pandemic legacy or something like that and have some drinks and snacks or whatever and stay up really late and then uh, the next day i would sleep in so we have this deal where one of us stays up well, one of us gets to sleep in each weekend day and the other one gets up with the girls. Uh, and so one day a week, I got my sleep in day the night before I can go kind of nuts. And so now I've, I'm like, well, what can replace that? And so I started to get into, we, um, uh, we were trying to find virtual ways to replace it. Mostly we've been playing this video game divinity two, um, which is, a like a great a game. Dungeon yep. Yeah, it's a, it, it is a great game. And I had played it single player and dropped on it. Like I was like, I played, got to maybe the second act and it wasn't necessarily for me, but playing it with my friends. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's different. It's, it, like, it's, uh, it's that's the only way I could probably play it is when people are, are, it's basically you're playing Dungeons and Dragons online with people, yeah. which is super cool. It is. And that is exactly it. And it makes it, you can focus on your character as opposed to all of them and it makes it easier. Uh, and yeah, we've just been, so we're in the fourth act of four and near the end right now. So we've, we've been doing this over months and ever. So every weekend day we have a sort of divinity two night and that has made a huge difference for me. Um, just it's something that I can look forward to that I'm hanging out with the boys, you know, like we're all crunching our snacks or whatever. And, and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, playing the game and, and, and shooting the, shooting the shit. And that's helped me considerably. So now I'm sort of focusing on my wife and being like, you know, you need to find something like this. Yeah. And, um, she is, uh, she's thinking about it. She's, she's exploring, exploring some options but again she's more introverted than me we don't have a perfect solution uh and i i really do think that if we're going to survive this we need to we need to find a way to to um with this lack of support to carve out that time for ourselves and unfortunately it's likely going to mean one or the other of the parent taking on more of the load while the other one relaxes as opposed to doing stuff as a family which is you know, we, I'm not to say we don't do stuff as a family. We do all the time, but that 
we may have to start pairing that out a little bit. We're all at home, one parent with the kids. Like right now, I'm doing this show with you. My wife is up with my daughter. The other daughter is napping. Um, and we're, we may have to do a little bit more of that stuff so yeah. that we don't go insane. Yeah, I'm, we're experiencing something very similar where, you know, I've found ways that, you know, like some of the content creation, it's an ex- I don't want to say it's an excuse. It's it's an opportunity for me to come down and, and focus on my own thing. And, you know, I'm kind of running a small business here in a sense with, with some of the content anyway. So I have to. No, have, you definitely are. And, yeah. So it's like there's that too. But, but you know, like Deanna's super good about it. But, uh, but oftentimes I'm like, I'll get on her like, Deanna, like you tell me what you want to do and you go do it. And, you know, she has trouble doing that because she's such a selfless person where, you know, she, she loves taking care of Aria and stuff like that. She, she genuinely does, but I can tell that it wears on her, especially with two kids. I hope that she finds something to do because, you know, just like what you were saying, we have community nights. You know, if you go, if you want to, by the way, people listening, if you want to join the discord, you head to incastmedianetwork.com. There's a link there to our discord and we have community game nights where we play like among us or Jackbox games and stuff like that. And it's a great opportunity to get together with people and, and kind of shoot the shit and have some fun. Um, but like you said, if you if you have a partner that's not really doing that and they're taking care of the kid or whatever, you got to find that balance. And, and that's definitely tough. And I am actually like I haven't done the Jackbox yet, but I am looking at that um, and trying to maybe figure it out for my because I feel like, yeah, my wife's not going to play Divinity, but maybe she would play that. With, right. With you know, and that would be something that we could, because I do feel badly that also I monopolized the basement, right? Uh, that would oh, be too. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, someone of our, our leisure space, you know, the big TVs here, all of that sort of stuff. So if I'm doing, be it a podcast and again, like I'm, I'm trying to, I'm a lazy content creator. So you are the business, small business owner doing all this crazy stuff. I'm the guy that has been fortunate enough to have hardworking folks like Ryan and Bo do a lot of the work. And I just <laughs> show up and lend my dulcet tones. Um, and uh, that has, that has been working great for me, but even that, um, you know, requires like, okay, we're doing a podcast tonight. That means that, you know, I'm going to be talking here. And so if you're watching a show behind me, well, you're not going to enjoy that show very much. Right. Uh, and maybe, you know, maybe the audio will be picked up. So I, if you know one night i'm doing divinity one night i'm doing podcast one one night i'm doing podcast two or something like that it starts it starts piling up right so oh, totally. um, it it is a it is a tricky balance but my wife sounds a lot like yours in the, that regard like she loves taking care of the girls organizing activities for the girls doing all that sort of stuff so there's only so much that we can do to, in terms of dragging to the to 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 um the the leisure finish line or or right. You know, in many cases, like um, it may be, it may be just doing some, like you're doing something that is also professionally fulfilling, like outside of the boundaries of your job. Like I like my job, but I much prefer doing a podcast with the boys. Right. Right. It's just so. Uh, and you know, so I think, it, uh, but but you know, I think what you just nailed is that it's really a communication thing, right? Like, I think at the end of the day, if you're having conversations with your significant other about what you can do to kind of pick up the slack or to help out when she's stressed and how she can, you know, go and do her own thing and helping to be part of that solution. That's such a difference. It's just such a difference Um, because they know that you're hearing them. And I know that for Deanna, a lot of the time she just wants somebody to talk to. And that, 
that's fine. Like, you know, we'll sit together and just hang out or just talk or whatever. And I think that that's, that's really, that, that could be their, their little moment of fun, you know? No, no, it, it is. And sometimes like the guys will be like, okay, we're ready to go. Cause with divinity, with divinity too, you've got to, um, you've got to save the game locally on somebody's computer. Right. So, so for a long time, Bo had it on his computer and it was driving us nuts. Cause he was always the last one there. And then, uh, we can be doing like shopping or stuff in the game while we were waiting for him. So I finally guilted him enough to get the game myself. So it's locally on my computer now. Right? Ah. Um, so, so they need me to be going. there. <laughs> yeah. They need me to be there. So it'll be like, okay, it's, 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 game night or whatever but then you know we've done the bedtime i do one girl my wife does the other um we're we're, we're downstairs and then she's clearly you know chatty and wants to talk about a couple of things and you know not not necessarily the like um urgent things but things that clearly she's in, enjoying like uh stuff that, that we need to get for the kids or, or like prep for halloween or all of this sort of stuff and so i just send the guys a message and i'm like like guys look i'm gonna be i'm gonna be running late because uh i'm having a chat with with jess here and uh they're totally you know it's totally cool about it which is great uh because um especially after guilting Bo so much for the save uh, but <laughs> because, because it, it's just uh, it is, as you say, it is, it is super important. And for, for um, Jess, I understand that like our interests align on many things, but sometimes they d don't align, but that doesn't mean that like, especially in times of COVID, like I'm, I'm trying to do my best to listen and, 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 and talk and converse uh, on topics that maybe wouldn't be my, like, you know, I, I don't have as much knowledge or as, as much interest right. in, uh, on, on a normal basis. And I think that she, she is doing the same as well. Uh, especially is it Gwen? Now I've got Gwen into, uh, into video games. So when, oh, Gwen asks for uh, every night that I play um, Divinity, she asks for a, a summation of the story and what happened the next night. Of course, it's very sanitized. Yeah, I was about um, to say, how, yeah, how, how in the... Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes it's like gymnastics getting it sanitized. But uh, but uh, he, he I'm hugged pretty, him I'm really, good. really hard until he fell asleep. That's how that's what happened. To yeah. Him. yeah. Yeah. No, I would just be like, you know, we we. Uh, we talk to someone i would stress certain things and less of other things or whatever and uh i I'm, I'm i'm pretty good at it although i think through her stories she thinks both my friends are complete idiots and that i'm a super genius i don't know how that <laughs> i don't know how that came to be but no, whatever no, um but uh but yeah i i i um now now i can sort of like I also give Jess a break in the sense that she doesn't have to hear all my video game stories or whatever. I now Gwen is taking that load on. Love you know? it. I'm like, she's like, oh, good. I don't have to hear about Divinity. Uh, <laughs> Gwen, Gwen's going to take it. So it is fun as your kid gets older. She becomes a more real person. No offense, babies. No, you're exactly right. And I know, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, you know, I, I want to shift back to something that you had mentioned before about your dad passing away. Um, first of all, my condolences, and, and that's got to be really, really tough. Um, Thanks, Alex. One of the things that we oftentimes bring up on this show are how our dads influence our own parenting style and, and how we approach things with our kids. What sort of man was your dad? So it is uh, it is interesting because I would say a hundred percent that that my dad has heavily influenced my parenting style, and I think that a lot of folks would point to uh, both my brothers and I as as definite like 
reflections of him. And that's why when somebody passes on, they say, you know, you, 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 the best you can do is, is take them with you and, 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 um, and put, put the energy that they put into life back into the world. And I will say that, uh, my dad, like in my completely unbiased opinion, was a, uh, an amazing dad, great guy, like just a dad's dad, as you can imagine, like jogging, you know, the kind of dad that goes jogging to born to run from Bruce Springsteen with a giant mustache and like male <laughs> pattern baldness, you know, like, but, um, uh, he, he was, uh, he's a really, really, uh, a really great guy. And, uh, one of the things that, that drives me the most nuts is that he's never able to, you know, meet his grandkids. Cause I know they would have given him so much joy because he loved kids, uh, so much. And he was a goof and, uh, you know, I'm a goof and, uh, my brothers are, are, are somewhat goofs as well. And, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, like he, he worked for the government and I in a certain field and I'm now working in the same field because, you know, what your parents do make make it clear what's available for you as options, you know, in, in right. life. I, I firmly believe that to be true. High school and all of that only shows you what's out there is, uh, a little bit. It's really your parents that are going to get you there. But my dad was just like a really caring guy um uh funny funny uh, uh goofy guy really supportive of the kids uh, like uh, of me and my brothers g- getting a, driving us to hockey driving us to ski driving us to all the all, all like soccer um he helped set up the soccer league in our area and be, when there wasn't one um and uh and yeah like uh i remember he got a volunteer award for that years later, because that soccer league ended up becoming a big hit. And, and over like 20, like 20 years later, he got this sort of not key to the city, but like this, this big kind of volunteer award and the Alzheimer's had taken hold at that point. And I was, I was um, uh. Uh, trying to, at that point, like it, taking care of dad every, you know, Nick and I, my brother and I would, would take him every second Tuesday to give my mom a break. So that would be her bridge day. She would go play cards with the ladies because she was doing sort of the main caretaking. And uh, yeah, I would say like, you know, he, he, um, when he died in 2014, it had been years of him. Like he had started down the Alzheimer's path around 2000, like the cognitive, um, element was starting to be questionable and they say you know they always say stuff like oh it it must be a relief uh for you um people say that often like because they know that it it was very tough with dad over the past over the the last years as he's sort of you know declined and such and and that it was taking up a lot of you know time and energy to provide the support both to, to him and to my mom um but that is BS, man. Like if, when, when your uh, parent dies, uh, especially like, you know, uh, if you, you have a large amount of affection, which most people do for their parents, even though that like, yes, you know that he was not in a good state of mind or whatever at the end, it is brutal. It's like, uh, I've never had grief like that. And it was, it was, uh, I think, you know, for a good six months, I couldn't see the end of it. And I'm such a like generally goofy, funny guy that it was very, you know, very bizarre, uh, bizarre for me. But then, and then it was kind of funny because like, you know, they say out of these tragedies, something good can grow. And for us, it was shortly thereafter that we became pregnant with Gwen. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so he never met her, but like, 
especially when she was younger, people are like, Oh, we see a lot of your dad. We see a yeah. lot of your dad in her. And so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's rough in that regard. But to this day, like we have, my dad was big on like home videos and stuff, you know, the exact cheesy dad you can imagine. Yeah. And so we have, we have all these videos and clips and different things of him still. And, um, and uh yeah he we there's not a there, there's not a week that goes by that i uh, you know uh, i do not think think about him uh and my and my kids and like you can still teach your kids like when when you have a, a parent that passes both grandpa rod and grandma elizabeth my my uh, my wife's mom you can you can teach your kids about these folks and and my gwen refers to grandpa rod like she knew him you know like at, at one point and like when i'll say grandpa she will ask me sometimes to clarify if i mean grandpa rod or grandpa paul and i'm like one of them you met one of them you've never met it's probably the one you've met but um but uh yeah so it it, it really is uh he he's he is a, obviously a defining pre- fathers are defining presence in everyone's lives i would say my dad was more of a defining presence in, in my life than would be average i think i model like i look i i wrote i you know i wrote some sappy essay at one point in university we had to write a feature about who your hero was and everybody wrote about some some famous person or writer or whatever. And I wrote about my dad and people thought it was really sappy, but also really good. Whatever, man, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just like, he's a great guy is I guess what I'm saying. And I try to do right by him and his memory in terms of raising the girls. And I think that uh, for the most part, like when I see how goofy Gwen is, how goofy Clara is, I think that like, if he was around, he would just have so much fun with them. And that's, and my mom said like, she came up for Halloween um, yesterday, socially distanced. We hadn't seen her for a while and she kind of was on the other side of the street as we were walking down. But she was, she said to me at one point, she's like, Oh, Rod would have loved this. I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm sure he would have, uh, but uh, so it it does it does suck. And when I guess I the takeaway that I would say to folks is like, you know, don't don't take your parents for granted. Like I mean, now that you're a parent, it, it, it's easier to th- than ever because you have less time available to you. But like, make you know, make the time for them. They won't be around forever. Yeah, and and be patient. That's been my experience with a lot of it. You know, my parents grandparents like everything like that you just have to be you have to be patient with them and uh, i think that those are some very very wise words and i, I usually like to end the show crofton with some some words of wisdom and, and you, you kind of provided it but but i would ask you this if you were to speak with crofton you know six plus years ago before he was a dad and you were to offer some words of encouragement what would, what would they be Jeez, that's a good one uh like uh, i i would just say like i you know what i would try to do and i would i would try to take the pressure off nobody puts pressure on you like yourself and i would i would try to say at that point like look you know you got this you know you, you know you got it you've seen all the people that can become fathers like you know, Donald Trump's got like 18 kids or something and has managed to mess them all up. <laughs> you're, you're going to, you're going to be, you're going to be all right. Like you, you know, you know what your values are, you know what your father's values are. You're, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be some work and you're going to enjoy it. You know, you're going to enjoy it. Yes. You're going to play less video games, but you know what? 
uh, it's going to be worth it. <laughs> so wow. I, I would just try to take the pressure off myself because even when I had, and this is the benefit, honestly, Alex, of having kids a little bit later, like in, in your mid thirties or something, it's like, you're, you come to terms a little bit with being an adult then. And you're like, okay, I, maybe you're a little bit more confident than, than you would be if you're in your mid twenties, say like my friend right. had her first kid in her mid twenties and I just couldn't believe it. I was like, Oh my God, what are you doing? But really that, that makes perfect sense. That's when people, you know, for generations were having kids in, in their mid mid twenties. It's just for me, I needed yeah. that time as an adult to find myself. So wow. anyway, I just take the pressure off myself. Yeah. Have you already answered this question yourself? Like if you could go back and talk to to young Alex, what you would have said? Yeah, and it's something similar. It's something like don't you know? Don't put so much pressure on it. You'll know what to do when the time comes. And it's um and, and a lot of it is just you know try to be in the moment more. Um, you know don't don't be so caught up with all the other stuff going on. Spend you know try try to be mindful of what's going on in front of you. Because there's so much, there's so much, like maybe distraction is the word that goes on, you know. And, and so I think that it's it's a it's such it's such a balance, and and we put so much pressure on ourselves to be this perfect, you know, husband and parent. And a lot of that comes down to you know so many different parts of the responsibility, both emotionally, you know, financially, spiritually, if you know, in some cases. So I think that there's. Um, there's a lot of wisdom in, and I jive a lot with what you just said. So I think that that's, that's good. Well, thanks for being on the show, Alex. Yeah. Uh, no, no, thanks for interviewing me. You did a great job. You're, you're, you're a great, uh, you're a great guest. Well-spoken. <laughs> I must say. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, no, I, I, I think you and I are pretty well attuned in terms of the values. Honestly, if you're a, if you're doing a show, like we're both doing shows about dads and podcasting. And I think that when you're invested to that point, then you probably got your values aligned right in terms of, in, in terms of, uh, you know, being the best dad that you can be. Right. Oh yeah. Um, and, and that's exactly right. And that's a big part of the why for this show is, is, having that for not only me, but for anybody else who wants to hear uh, the sort of value that conversations like this brings into the kind of the everyday of the dad, if you will. The so, everyday um, of the dad. The everyday of the dad. So Crofton, uh, as you mentioned at the beginning of this show and throughout, you are a content creator. Why don't you take a moment and share with the good folks at home what it is that you do out there? All right. Yeah, I will recap from the start. If you got all the way to the end listening to Crofton and you want more Crofton, you're a Croftaholic, you can. Uh, I um, I do the Good, Bad, or Bullshit podcast. So goodbadbull.com is our website. All the old episodes are up there. We draw a random topic every week and we decide if it's good, if it's bad, or if it's bullshit. The topics can range from the minute like flip-flops to the 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 deep like democracy or something uh and uh and we've done this for so long now that there's a heck of a lot of topics on there um so there's something for everyone and i do uh dungeons and diapers uh with ryan murphy one of your previous uh, guests where we we sort of shoot the shit every uh, couple of weeks about how we're balancing fatherhood with with all the other things we want to do we got the dungeon section which is related to all the 
all the sort of geekery that we're engaged in and then the diaper section, which is more the, the kids stuff. And uh, that's uh, tgistudios.com slash dad uh, if you wanted to to listen to that. I'm also on the Twitter, at Crofton Steers. One of the benefits of having the name Crofton is you can pretty much get any handle you want, which is amazing. <laughs> um, so you can follow me there if you uh, want some witty anecdotes and or podcast plugs. So again, that's at Crofton Steers on Twitter. And Alex, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. Our guest again has been Crofton Steers. Thanks so much. Big thanks to Crofton for bringing such energy and positivity into this conversation. I really genuinely loved this conversation about, you know, tenacity, really moving forward, honoring your own father and what they brought to uh, your own parenting experience and how you're bringing that in. This really kind of captured the gamut of what the Dad Chronicle is about. So if you'd like to chime in on today's conversation, I encourage you to do so. You can email the Dad Chronicle podcast at gmail.com. And as a quick reminder, our early bird special for this new Patreon site that we've set up over at supportedad.com is coming to an end on November 4th. If you sign up at $5 a month or more, I will be writing you a handwritten note to thank you for being an awesome contributor to what we do here at the Dad Chronicle. But if you'd even like to support just at a dollar a month or more, that helps a lot towards the operational cost of the show. So head over to supportedad.com, find a level that works for you. Look at all the really cool perks that you get on each of those levels. Find one that works and support the show today. Again, the website is supportadad.com. And our website is thedadchronicle.com if you'd like to go back and listen to other stories of fatherhood. So thanks for listening. And remember, be good to yourself and be good to others. See you next time. If you like this show, check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.